Well, there was a certain woman who hated Mother's Day, hated Mother's Day, and she spent years campaigning to have Mother's Day completely removed from the calendar. She showed up at one Mother's Day convention where they were selling flowers, and she was arrested for disturbing the peace. She filed a lawsuit to stop another Mother's Day festival from being held. Eventually, she exhausted all of her financial resources and even ruined her mental health in her attempt to rid the world of Mother's Day. And so she died alone in an institution. This woman must have really hated her mother, right? Right? Wrong. Wrong. Anna Jarvis loved her mother dearly. And she had the highest respect for all that her mother had accomplished in what some refer to as that God-forsaken place of West Virginia. I'm from there, I can say that. (laughs) Yes, Anna Jarvis was from West Virginia, and that's why her love for her mother, she persuaded President Wilson in 1914 to set aside the second Sunday in May as a day to honor mothers. But by the 1920s, Anna was sickened by the commercial circus that she had helped to create. And so she said this, I devoted my entire life to Mother's Day, and the racketeers and the grafters have taken it over. What Anna wanted originally was very simple. It wasn't complicated. She wanted a day, a simple day, to honor mothers. But somewhere in the rush, she believed that goal got overshadowed. And complicated. And that story made me think for just a minute about faith. You know, true faith, real faith, it isn't complicated. But I wonder what we allow into our lives sometimes to complicate that simple faith so that it's overshadowed or overtaken. What we allow into our churches that complicate them. You know, the call to be a disciple, a follower of Christ, is simple. Jesus says this, follow me. The call to make disciples, it's simple. Jesus simply says, as you go into the world, make disciples. And yet so often in the labyrinth of programs and marketing strategies and big productions, Those simple calls get complicated, overshadowed, and overtaken. You and I, as believers in Christ, must keep our focus on simple faith in the person of Jesus Christ. We've got to keep our focus on simple faith in the person of Jesus Christ. That's what I want to talk about this morning as we come to Matthew chapter 15. I want to skip ahead a few chapters in Matthew on this Mother's Day so we can read this inspiring story of this simple yet tenacious faith of this mother. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the pew in front of you. You're going to find Matthew 15 on page 820. When you found your place in Matthew, I'm going to ask you to stand as we hear read together the word of the living God. Matthew. 
Matthew chapter 15, beginning in verse 21, this is the word of the Lord. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, Great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's true. Thank you that it tells us the truth. Spirit of God, as we come now to your word, we pray that you would take the truth of it, the reality of it, make it live in us today as it did 2,000 years ago. Father, we need to be people of faith, of great faith. And so we pray that you would accomplish that in us. Help us keep our focus on you, Lord, so that we might have deep and abiding faith for all of our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. When I use the word simple, I don't mean to indicate that the person of Christ is simple in his being, or that he can be completely comprehended by us. He is beyond our full comprehension. Neither do I mean that simple faith is just this little easy add-on to your life or to mine. It's not. Our faith must be all-pervasive in all of our lives, all the time. We already sang it this morning. Like wave after wave of the ocean... Like all of the sand on the shore, your beauty and glory are endless. Oh, Jesus, I must know you more and more and more. And so when I say simple this morning, I just simply mean that we can keep our eyes fixed on Christ. We don't have to run off here or there or over there searching. We simply go to one place, one person, one source, the Lord Jesus Christ, In all of his many beautiful, endless, glorious facets of who he is. So this morning I just want to look at three of those facets of who Jesus is and and fix our eyes and our gaze on them because that's where we'll find help and that's where we'll find hope and that's where we'll find greater faith in our lives. And so the first facet on which we can fix our eyes and, and find our hope and help is to have faith in the compassion of Christ. Look in verse 21. It tells us that Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And that word withdrew means to to retire or take refuge. When we read the same story in the Gospel of Mark, we discovered that Jesus retired to this house to get away. And Mark specifically says that he didn't want anyone to know where he was. It seems that Jesus had extended, expended so much compassion 
that he needed a break, a time to renew, a time to refresh. He'd only recently, back in Matthew chapter 14, fed over 5,000 hungry people. He hadn't intended to be compassionate in that instance. In that time as well, he had intended to get away. He even chose a desolate place where he could retire and rest. But the people found him and they followed him. And Matthew tells us that once Jesus saw that crowd who had followed him, he had compassion on them. And he healed them and he fed them. Then at the end of chapter 14, we read that Jesus had traveled to another place and that people from all the surrounding countryside brought their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak and all who touched him were healed. And so this compassion weary Jesus makes another attempt to get some rest. This time he goes to Tyre and Sidon. Both of these are coastal port cities. And so this house where Jesus went might have been a little seaside getaway, an opportunity to rest to be renewed from his constant compassion. See, Jesus in his humanity is just like you, just like me, except without sin. And he needed, and he would have benefited by a vacation at the beach as much as any one of us in this room would. Helping people, showing compassion on people. It wearied him. He needed to rest, but it was not to be. Because this Canaanite mother found him. And Matthew makes sure that we know that this woman is not Jewish. She is a Gentile. She is a pagan. She is from outside of Israel. But this Canaanite mother found out Jesus was there and she came to him crying, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is oppressed. She's suffering. The imperfect tense of this verb that Matthew uses indicates that she didn't cry out just once, but she kept crying out over and over again, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. Why? Why did she keep crying out? What drove this mother to Jesus? Well, we could say it was love and compassion for her suffering daughter, and that would certainly be partly true. We could say it was desperation that her daughter was sick and that she was willing to try anything and that would be partly true. But what really drove her to Jesus was who she believed Jesus to be. Look in verse 22 and notice that she addresses Jesus not only as Lord but also Son of David. And Son of David was A common way of referring to the coming Messiah. Because it was known that the Messiah of Israel would be a descendant of King David. Now since she's a pagan, a Canaanite, her knowledge of Jesus the Messiah cannot be extensive. It must be simple. And she simply believes, simply believes, that somehow by coming to Jesus, she's coming to the Messiah. The Son of God. And her simple faith tells her that here is one who moved with compassion will not turn her away even though she is a pagan Gentile. 
And so that's why she came. Because of who she perceived Jesus to be. And listen, it's that simple. It's just that simple. For you and for me. Your desire to come to Jesus, your desire to focus on Jesus, is determined by who you see Jesus to be. If you believe Jesus is compassionate, you will come. It's that simple. It's not complicated. Do you really the Lord as a Lord of compassion? One who has pity on you and sympathy for you, whatever situation you're in. You and I usually focus on the fatherhood of God. Because that's how he reveals himself to us in Scripture. We get the Lord's Prayer. Jesus teaches us to pray our Father in heaven. But when God wanted to express compassion, when he wanted to instill hope into the brokenness of the people of Israel, God compared himself to a mother. Isaiah 66 says, As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. That's God speaking. Isaiah 46, God uses birth language. Listen to me, God says. You who have been born by me from before your birth, carried from the womb. Isaiah 49, when people feel like they have been forgotten and abandoned by God, God says, can I forget and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may. Yet I will not forget you. And so through the pen of Isaiah, God describes his care and his commitment and his like that of a mother. And that resonates with us. It draws us to the Lord. Because in general, we're drawn to our mothers in different ways than we're drawn to our fathers because we believe Shares that compassion. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and, and stone those who sent you. Gather your children together as a mother hen gathers her chicks under her wings. It's clear that our Lord is the Lord of compassion. And if you perceive this compassion of the Lord, especially in your time of need, especially in your brokenness, you will be much more likely to run to him and to cry out to him just as this mother did. And so the love and the compassion of a mother that we focus on, in particular on this day, on Mother's Day, it should point you and me to the heart of our Lord. Genesis 1.27 says that God created kind in his own image. Male and female, he created them. By God's design, he created men and women. He created fathers and mothers. That's God's distinction. And the two together, male and female, father and mother, with their similarities and through their God-created differences, reflect the image of God. And so we distort or try to obliterate those differences to our own detriment. We need both. 
male and female, father and mother, to fully understand who God is and what He is like. Through women, through mothers, God reveals to us all this beautiful truth about His heart of love and compassion that we might not find anywhere else. Mothers, we need you. It isn't complicated. Our Lord is the Lord of compassion. It isn't complicated. When you need mercy, when you need sympathy, when you need pity, you can find it with the Lord. Is that good news? I know I need it. You must need it. So let's keep it simple. In faith, focus on the compassion of Christ. Don't run from Him. Run to Him. You don't have to be strong. You can be broken. Is that good news? Yeah. Run to Him. He'll have compassion on you. The second facet, you and I have to have faith in His perfect timing. Jesus, the mother, and the disciples, they're the only ones present in the scene before us. And the disciples, I'm sure, are not surprised to see that yet again another person has come to Jesus seeking help. They've seen it over and over and over again. And so the disciples simply watch and listen to this interplay between Jesus and the woman. The mother cries out, Lord, have mercy on me. The disciples watch. Jesus, what will he say? What will he do? How will he respond? Nothing. The mother cries out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Disciples watch. Jesus, what will he say? What will he do? Nothing. There's no response. We don't know how many times this went on. Back and forth, back and forth. But finally, the disciples are either annoyed or embarrassed or angry or or, or a little bit of all. And so they come to Jesus. Finally, and they urge him, send her away. Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. How discouraging. It must have been for this mother in this moment not to be warmly received by Jesus and helped. How discouraging for this woman that his followers, the the 12 on the 18, want to send her away. Where's the compassion that she hoped to find? Jesus was always ready to help and encourage those who came to him and to help them, even sometimes before they asked and sometimes while they were making their request. Jesus helped him in that moment. But for this woman, there's only silence. I know I would be the faithless one in this situation. That's me. You know, If something's going to work for 99 people, yeah, I'll be the one person it doesn't work for. The the, the one person on which it will fail. That's me, but not this woman. She won't be deterred. She won't leave. And so finally, Jesus makes a response in verse 24. And he says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Now this seems like the end of the line for this desperate mother. She's finally gotten a response from Jesus. And his response is this. I've come to help the people of Israel. You are not a people of Israel. Therefore, I have no help for you. Jesus has given his answer. But look in verse 25. This mother 
will not be put off. Her simple faith is strong. And so now she comes and she kneels and prostrates herself before Jesus. And she says, Lord, help me. Again, Jesus answers, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Why is Jesus acting this way toward this woman? Why does he not just give her what she asks? Because Jesus is the Lord over time. Jesus is the Lord beyond time, and therefore he knows exactly the time to help us. Think about Abraham and Sarah in the Old Testament. They had to wait many, many years until they were old, way past the years and ages for having children before They received the child that God promised to them. But God's timing is perfect. Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, thought that Jesus' timing was too late. When he came to Jesus and asked him to to heal his sick daughter, servants from his house came and said, Never mind, your daughter is dead. Don't bother Jesus anymore. But Jesus went to Jairus' house Anyway, and he took the little girl by the hand and he brought her back to life. Now, why didn't Jesus just heal her? I don't know. But I do know that the timing of the Lord is perfect and that he's accomplishing something through it. When word was sent to Jesus that Lazarus, his dear, dear friend, was sick and needed him, Jesus waited two more days. And by the time he got to Lazarus, Lazarus was already dead. Jesus went anyway. And he stood by the tomb of Lazarus and he called from Lazarus to come forth from the tomb. And Lazarus did. Why didn't Jesus just heal him? I don't know. But I do know that the timing of the Lord is perfect and that he is accomplishing something through it. He's always on time. And he always knows what he's doing. Listen, Romans 4 says this about Abraham. Abraham did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Jesus told Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe. Concerning Lazarus, Jesus said, for your sake... I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. Somehow, raising a dead Lazarus to life would be more effective in strengthening the faith of those around than in healing a sick Lazarus. In each case, the timing of the Lord was a test and a strengthening of faith. And such is probably the case here. Jesus delayed to answer the request of this Canaanite woman to provide her an opportunity to give full expression to her simple faith. How much more precious would this blessing be when she received it from the Lord after this interaction with Him than if Jesus had healed her daughter before she even asked? Jesus knows what's in the heart, every heart, He saw the great faith of this woman before she ever came to him. And what an extra gift Jesus gave to her in allowing that faith to be stretched and allowing that faith to become stronger and allowing that faith not to give up. 
And don't forget the disciples. They're part of this as well. Observing everything that's happening here in this Gentile country. What was the Lord trying to accomplish in them with his timing? They were Jews. Men of Israel. Sons of Abraham. They wanted to send this poor desperate mother away. So that she did not annoy them or Jesus anymore. What must they have thought? As they watched the faith of this woman unfold. What must they have thought of her tenacity? Perhaps the delay of the Lord and His perfect timing was for them as well. Perhaps it was to challenge their view of faith. Their expression of it. Perhaps it was challenged by the faith of this woman, a pagan woman from outside the nation of Israel. Perhaps Jesus delayed so that they could see that this expression of true faith and understand that faith is not just religion. Faith isn't of ethnic origin or geographic boundaries or something into which you were born. I hope you know you cannot inherit faith. It doesn't come to you from your father or for your mother or even from attending church week after week after week. Faith is what you have in the person of Jesus Christ. Christ. And so perhaps Jesus' delay was to evoke this beautiful, deep, true expression of true faith. We can't say for certain. We don't know why Jesus delayed. We don't always understand God's timing in our lives. Raise your hand if you always understand God's timing in your life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I thought. Sometimes it seems so clear, doesn't it, to us, so plain what God should do. Lord, this is what you should do, and this is when you should do it. But the Lord seems to complicate it, doesn't he? To make it difficult for us. And that's when our faith begins to waver. Because we can't see what the Lord is doing. But by faith... Simple faith. We hang on to Christ in the dark. True? By faith, simple faith, we hold on to a Christ who seems silent. True? Through faith, simple faith, we hold on to what seems to be a delaying Christ and we will not let him go. It isn't difficult It isn't complicated. By faith, we trust in the perfect will and timing of the Lord who has demonstrated the perfection of His timing over and over and over again. The Lord delays His answer for a while. It's only because it's right and kind and wise and loving and faith-building for Him to do so. And so we trust The perfect timing of the Lord. Third and final facet this morning. In addition to having faith in His compassion and perfect timing, we have to have faith in His grace and His mercy. We've seen this woman has tenacious faith. Look in verse 26. Please imagine. Jesus basically calls her a dog. He says it's not right to take the children's bread and to toss it to their dogs. Now, that, even that, does not deter this woman. 
she does not storm off in an offended huff. Well, he said that to me. Call me a dog. She simply says, in ver- look in verse 27. Look what she says. Jesus says, you're a dog. And she says, yes, Lord. That's her response. Don't miss the magnitude of this short, simple response. Notice, there's no defensiveness in it. There's no manipulation in it. There's no strategizing. There's no angling. Simply, yes, Lord, you are right. I'm not of Israel. Yes, Lord, I am not one of the chosen ones of Israel. Yes, Lord, I have no right to claim anything of you or from you. Yes, Lord, I do not deserve to be blessed by you, but you always love the buts. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. What an understanding of grace this woman has. When grace is really beyond our ability to understand. She seems to know that the grace of the Lord is like a table. Laden with a bounteous feast. And that just a crumb from the table of grace is all that she needs. And that's what grace is all about. God is infinite. God is rich beyond our imagination. And we don't deserve a crumb of who He is or what He has. Do you believe that? When we are conscious that we deserve nothing, then you and I will be thankful for anything. You're in a position to receive the greatest of God's mercies. When you and I are just this honest, when our defenses are down, When you let go of manipulation. When you stop trying to think of all the reasons you deserve this from the Lord. Now in a culture that places a high premium on a healthy self-esteem and self-identification. This is not a very popular concept. Even though it's thoroughly biblical. And therefore, vital for our souls, still by our culture, it's considered damaging, puritanical. Because it doesn't promote a healthy self-image or self-identification to be called a dog. But as long as we insist on clinging to our own goodness, our own efforts, what we deserve, our hands are not open to receive the grace and blessings of Christ. Until we see ourselves for who we are, we won't even see our need for God's grace. And so what a blessing when we receive for ourselves and then pass on to others the faith to admit that we are undeserving, but but that Christ is gracious and merciful and gives us freely that which we do not deserve. And even though all we need is a crumb, the grace of God, Ephesians 1, tells us that He's lavished on us the riches of His grace. That's the heart of the Lord. This beautiful facet of who He is. He is a a Lord of grace and mercy. Now I'm about to forget the best part of the story. The best part of the story is that because of his compassion, his perfect timing, 
His grace and His mercy, Jesus does answer the prayer of this woman. Woman, your faith is great. And He grants her request. And her daughter was made well immediately. That's good news, isn't it? Gracious Lord, it seems simple for this woman. It seems uncomplicated. Jesus is the one in whom she can place her faith and trust. Woman, your faith is great. Can you substitute your name for a woman in that statement? Can the Lord say, Craig, your faith is great. The Lord seeks faith on the earth. It isn't complicated. He's proven himself over and over again as one in whom we can put our faith and our trust. And so we have to decide whether we'll live a life of simple faith focused on the Lord and who he has proven himself to be or whether we will complicate it, add to it, so that that simple faith is overshadowed. You have to decide. So do I. You have to live by faith. This woman did. Her faith didn't lie dormant, sleeping, unused. She exercised it. Jesus has given you faith. He's given me faith, and we've got to put it to use. We've got to have faith that Jesus indeed has a heart of compassion. You need compassion. I need compassion. Be a faithful disciple of Christ. Know that you can go to Jesus no matter how broken, especially if you're broken and find compassion. Have faith in the perfect timing of the Lord. It may not be easy, and it's not easy, but it's not complicated either because He has proven His perfect timing over and over again. Have faith in His mercy and grace. It isn't complicated. It isn't complicated. No one is beyond the grace of God. Do you believe that? Do you believe it for yourself? You are not beyond the grace of God. Believe it for others. Whoever may come to your mind right now, that person, no matter who they are, where they are, what they are doing, they are not beyond the grace of God. And all they need is a crumb of it to be saved. Do you believe that? Have faith in the grace and mercy of God for yourself and others. It's that simple. Faith in Christ is not complicated on purpose. It is simply believing in Him to be who He is by nature. Facet after facet after facet after facet. It's simply knowing who you know Him to be. Who you have experienced Him to be. It's just showing that to others. So let's do this. Let's be faithful disciples of Christ who put our simple faith simply in Christ alone. And let's faithfully make disciples of others who have simple faith in Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you as always for your word and for the truth of it. Thank you for including in your word of all the things that could be recorded 
and have been recorded for us the story of the faith of this woman. Lord, thank you for who you show yourself to be in this story. Lord, help us to keep our focus on you, on your compassion, your grace, your mercy, your timing. Lord, let this be a story that reminds us that we can trust you, that we can put our faith in you because this is who you are. It's always who you are. Over and over and over again, details may change, Lord, but you remain the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are Christ and you are Lord. You are compassionate. You are gracious. You are merciful and your timing is perfect. We thank you for that, Lord, and and for the many other things you are about which we can't even pause to talk this morning. Thank you for that. Help us to simply keep our focus fixed on you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.